Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Well, the UFC is back in Vegas this weekend for an exciting heavyweight tilt between Alistar Overeem and Alexander Volkov. We, of course, will be breaking down that fight as well as two other fights on the main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think could make your pockets a little heavier this weekend as well. Plus, as always, I'm giving you guys the interviews you've come to know and love. First, I'll be talking to Diego Fajeda as he gets ready for his rematch with Benil Dariush. He talks about that and how he feels like the top 10 in the UFC lightweight division, which is as hot as ever, doesn't particularly love fighting. And it's an interesting take, so you're definitely going to want to listen to that. And then at the end of the show, I'll be talking to Mike Rodriguez, who dishes in on all of how he feels about that Ed Herman weird no-stoppage-stoppage groin strike that wasn't a groin strike. And he talks about not just that, but how to rebound from that and where you go after having the weirdest outcome in the UFC that year. So you're going to get both of those interviews and those great tips in just a moment. But first, I have to let you know that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Jock Market. Look, we've all played daily fantasy sports and saw one of our guys put up a dud of a first half. You almost wish you could sell them off and start fresh in the second half. And now you can with Jock Market. Jock Market is the only daily fantasy sports app that allows you to buy and sell players as stock commodities while the games are going on. You start by bidding on the IPOs of players and Jock Market issues the shares to the highest bidders. From there, you can buy and sell with other users as the prices of your players rise and fall with their performance and the demand for them. At the end of the night, Jock Market pays out based on their final performance and the number of shares that you hold. Jock Market is live now for NBA the NFL playoffs, and PGA, so head on over to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download Jock Market right now. And while you're there, when you sign up, make sure to use promo code TURTLE10 for a free $10 deposit or $10 on a deposit of $20 or more. That's TURTLE10 for a free $10 on your deposit of $20 or more. Jock Market brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. And joining me now is Diego Fajeda, who fights Benil Dariush at UFC at the Apex on February 6th. So, Diego, I wanted to start by saying, you know, obviously you had that great start to 2020. You submit Anthony Pettis in almost no time. Then you spend most of the year off. I know the coronavirus got in the way of one of your fights. You also had an arm injury, I believe, that came that dropped you out of another fight with Drew Dober. Could you give us a little information about that injury and how recovery has been going? Okay, first, thank you, Daniel. I appreciate you helping open the space for me right now. You know, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, second, yeah, it was a crazy year for me. I started really, uh, uh, really good, really excited now to see how, how the year is going to go for me. But after all the corona and, you know, all the, the pandemic get on the, on the way for, for my first fight, and the, the second time was, again, you know, uh, I – I, I told it was a was a, my arm, you know, because uh, I was really scared to uh, to to 
to get damaged by by saying like okay not damaged but but because i work with people i work with my business like with a jiu-jitsu gym you know and i was kind of uh, uh, really scared to affect me because uh that's the only only uh financial uh, uh stuff i can get it from you know uh, besides fighting you know that's where i get my money you know that's how i put food in uh, food on my table but uh i was kind of scared to say in my second the, the second time that i got sick you know i did my i did my quarantine safe you know i was not nine uh, not at the gym but i have some instructor at that time uh covering me uh but i was really afraid you know that's why i say i, I have the armor injury i have to put out the fight but i still want to try push it like you know I, I told i told sean shelby i gotta try push it but and then uh i took another test after th- uh, the after the the uh the, th- the third week i'm still coming out uh uh, uh pro- positive for, for corona you know and that's how we i decided with my team like to really get out from the fight you know was really sad for me because i i i, I really want to fight dober you know he he is a good opponent for me you know it was a was gonna be a good challenge and you know i hope like i hope in the future i can i can face him again you know that's what happened this whole time absolutely now that, that's interesting to me too so it, it's great to hear obviously that you didn't have a, a serious arm injury but obviously not great yeah. to hear that you did have covid did, did yeah. it uh, it obviously affects the amount you could train uh were you largely asymptomatic did you feel good through all of it or, or did it take a lot out of you to get back into training uh, no, it don't took a, a nothing for me. Like I felt fine. I felt like I felt like nothing. You know, like I was like I was doing my my three miles run every day. You know, not feeling like tired, anything like that. Uh, I was feeling prepared for the fight, but the thing is, like when the, you still come out positive, you know, it's not something it's on your control. Uh, I was out of my control, but uh, you know, I told I told Sean Sheldon, sorry, dude, like I really want to fight. You know, it's something out of my control, but, uh, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, now I'm in the best shape ever in my life. You know, I feel great. I feel like, you know, uh, uh, ready to go. I can just, yeah, the only thing I can say, like, I'm still so, uh, uh, excited, so pumped, like to really go in there and do what I, I do best, put a good show for my fans. And, you know, it, and it, I just, I can't wait for the, the uh, February 6th. And, and you, you know, you mentioned obviously that you liked the idea of fighting Drew Dober. You hope that fight can happen down the line. This is obviously another interesting matchup here with Benil Dariush because he's a previous opponent. You fought him for those who don't know. You, you guys fought all the way back in 2014, you know, o- over six years ago at this point. It's one of the only two losses on your record. Was this a fight that you saw out? Did you hope to get a chance to sort of redeem yourself on on one of only your two losses? Uh, I really, I was not living, uh, not even looking for the fight. You know, for the first time I call uh, I call him Mao again was the time when the with uh, with his name uh, pulled out the fight. Um, they they were supposed to fight on the fight island. Uh, I forgot he's uh, he, the Brazilian. I forgot again his name right now. Uh, he just beat he just beat uh, Tony Ferguson. Oh, Charles Oliveira. Uh, Tony Oliveira, yeah. He, he, they were supposed to fight the first, you know. And and I heard he needs somebody to cover, 
and I jump in. Hey, like I'm here. If you guys want, you know, I was like right after I was, you know, get after recovering, getting you know the the COVID and everything. And no, they don't call me, don't do anything. But I never, I was never looking back on what I, what I did. You know, I uh, uh, I took it without fighting short notice. It's not an excuse, but I was not prepared. I just took it because I was thinking about having a vacation with my family. You know. Uh, see my family in Brazil, my mom and my kids that was there, and that was my my goal was not even getting waiting for the fight, being waiting for the war or anything like that. I was just more looking up for the the money, you know, the advantage the, the advantage to being real for the first time too. And uh, I think that I did everything wrong. I I did the call weight, I made the weight, were good. But the recovery was like, you know, was not that the, a great. And that's when I, I got I got exhausted on a fight. And then it's really hard to see me and tired on, uh, in a fight. But uh, that's the time when you're not prepared. Things not going you, on your way when, how you want it sometimes. And I took that loss. And right after I took another loss. But and then that's make me better, make me more smart, make me uh, uh, really... Uh, uh, make so much art because from there I start, you know, be more focused with myself. I, I like that. And, and it's interesting too, because you know, you did mention those two losses at that time, you were hoping to get paychecks, looking at vacations and sort of, you changed your mindset and that change of mindset has really showed you've won six straight fights. Now I'm curious as to where you feel like a win here against Benil Dariush would put you in the lightweight division. Do you feel like you're, you're about to crack that, like, you know, the, not for anything. There was, by the time this interview airs, there was just a bunch of big lightweight fights that would have happened. Where, where do you feel like you fit in all of that? I, 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 for real, I, I don't think they're going to put me anywhere. I think it's still going to be on the same uh, same spot. But I really don't care because I really want to, this, uh, this year, you know, I was just hanging, you know, on my couch. I think uh, I, I, I'll i be interested to have more another fight because those guys, the top fighters on the top, they don't want to fight, bro. Like, they, they just want to stay there to have the – look, Paul Felder again, you know. He want to get another fight, like a big fight. You know, he they don't want to fight us and don't, don't on the ranks. But I mean to, to, to fight the big guys. I, I If it's Mike Chandler fight, like, he win this fight, I'm I'm really want to step in with him, you know. I want that fight, you know. But if you don't, I, I'm I I want to stay busy. I wanna I wanna get like three more fights this year, you know, uh, of my career. And 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 I hope with those three fights, at least I can get to the top, you know, top four or three. Because uh, I don't think those guys want to fight, you know. The guys just want a big paycheck and then. That's what that's that's what it did look right now, you know. But I'll be waiting to fight anybody after this fight, you know. I want to first focus on this fight, for sure. But uh, you know, I want I want to take my challenge, you know. And if you don't put me anywhere on the rank, I gotta I, I gotta uh, uh, I gotta make it happen. I gotta have to start calling people out. Doesn't matter who's gonna be. Well, we we would love to see you fight three times in a year. Now, I, I did want to ask Thanks. you before I let you go. Do you have a prediction uh-huh. for the fight? How do you expect this fight to go? I think it's going to be explosive, you know, like uh, 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 the is a guy, he's going like his last two wins, super impressed, you know. I think he's really going to try 
be on, on his hands, you know, and try to be on his feet with me. Uh, he won those, like, knockout shine uh, uh, price he'd been putting, you know. And I'm interested, too, because I want to stay in my feet. I want to go, uh, uh, sorry my language, but I want to go balls to the walls, you know. Like, I want to go for the bang, and I want to get there and give everything I have. Like, I'm, I'm ready to bleed to bleeding and, and, and put my my heart and soul inside the octagon for this time man you know uh, it, it, I know it's the first fight of my the year I can be just pumped as hard as I can but I think I really gotta put a, a, a great fight standing and two Shushitsu guys you know you, you have to expect everything but I really wanna a war I wanna fight I wanna bleed I wanna go and go for a, a good fight of the night you know well, we are certainly looking forward to it, and you have to be looking forward to it after that. This has been Diego Fajeda, who fights Benil Dariush at UFC in the Apex on February 6th. Diego, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Appreciate it for everything, and let's do it February 6th. I'm in. And that interview with Carlos Diego Fajeda is brought to you by Covert Cat. Are you sick of having to decide between a rash guard that looks like a magic eye and one that looks like a Yakuza back tattoo? Maybe you're like me and you don't like looking like a knockoff superhero when you show up to grappling tournaments. If you are like me, then I highly suggest that you check out Covert Cat. Covert Cat brings you minimalist, no-gi wear for both BJJ and MMA. Their graphics are sharp, clean, and not filled with a bunch of frills. Check out their whole line on their Instagram at Covert Cat Brand or on their website, thecovertcat.com. Designed in Australia with a low fixed shipping rate worldwide, it doesn't matter where you live, you're going to want to get some Covert Cat. Now, I, of course, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we had an off week for UFC last weekend. We get a Rocky Pennington USADA suspension. Tito Ortiz getting recalled as his mayor pro tem. Ben Askren is now going to box a YouTube star. I'm beginning to think the UFC shouldn't have off weeks. Yeah, what is it, Gumby, about the balance of the universe that when the UFC isn't running shows, just bad stuff seems to happen? And I'll tell you what scares me the most out of everything you just listed there. I'm actually a little worried that if the Paul brother does somewhat well against Ben Askren, Uncle Dana is going to use it as an excuse to sign him to the UFC, but we'll save that atrocity for another day. Let's get into some fights, Gumby, because it's been too long at this point. Fights, dogs, parlays for UFC Overeem versus Volkov. We're back, baby. It's our favorite segment on the show. And before we start breaking down some parlays to play, some dogs we like, and just breaking down fights in general, one may wonder if any company sponsors this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it does not matter. Log your training session so that you can make progress towards all of your goals. Plus, you can do other great things like log your weigh-ins, your competition, should you be doing them at the current moment, and so much more. Make sure you download Maroon App Social wherever it is you download apps. All right, this is a big one, literally, because it's a heavyweight main event, and we have Alexander Volkov, a minus-180 favorite, to Alistair Overeem, the plus-158 dog, the pride veteran. Overeem, 10 years in the UFC now. He debuted in uh, December of 2011, so going on 10 years this year. Just crazy to think about how long this man's career has been, and he's on a two-fight win streak. TKOs over Walt Harris and Augusta Sakai, 
you'd have to go back to him getting knocked out by Jerizo Roizenstroik back in December of 2019. He beat Alexei Olenek via TKO. He beat Sergei Pavlovich before that via TKO. So really, he's 4-1 and one in his last five. And he seems to be doing pretty well against uh, Eastern European fighters. So interesting with the wins over Olenek, Pavlovich. Here he gets Alexander Volkov. Volkov is coming off a TKO win over Walt Harris. He lost to Curtis Blades before that. Beat uh, Greg Hardy before that. So he is 2-1 and one in his last three. They both share losses to Curtis Blades. Who are you taking here? I'm going with Overeemann. To be honest with you, I cannot believe that this dude is an underdog in this fight. If you look at that, those fights, I know you ran it back five fights for Overeem in this. That, those are all five of the fights he's had since he's been at Team Elevation. And, and that is a major change in his game plan. Because if you look at those, a lot of those involve finishing guys on the ground, right? Like Pavlovich, that's a ground and pound finish. Augusto Sakai, he was on top of that dude the whole time. Walt Harris and Oleksii Olenek, he both stunned him and followed him to the floor, but he finished him with strikes on the ground. It's almost like he's he's taken that wrestling game that we knew he had back in Pride in early UFC, and he's gone back to that well since he's joined Elevation. And I know you mentioned the loss to Rosenstrike in there, but he really beat Rosenstrike for 25 minutes and 55 seconds before getting knocked out with four seconds left on the clock. By my account, with the exception of that last round, which you can't really, you know, rule with a knockout in it he was up four rounds to none in my opinion so we're, we're talking about probably a guy who's on a five fight winning streak since changing teams and he's fighting alexander volkov which i know you mentioned the win over walt harris which certainly looks good other than that he doesn't really have a win that impresses me right like he wasn't able to finish greg hardy like come on greg hardy gassed out after like four minutes of wrestling marcin tybura who's good but like Am I putting him in the same sentence as Overeem? Not even close. So, yeah, for that reason, I'm all over Overeem, and especially at this number, getting him at, you know, over plus 150. You're getting him close to plus 160. I think it's a steal. Yeah, you know, I, I can't disagree with anything you just laid out there. I guess maybe when it comes to Volkov, do they feel if it goes a little longer, if, it hits the ground. Maybe he has the advantage, but I stand up wise, I I, I like Overeem more. So I, I'm going to go with Overeem myself there, and especially at the plus 158 money. All right, uh, we have a very exciting fight. Uh, Corey Sandhagen, a minus 440 favorite to a favorite of this show, the godfather of the UFC in our opinion, Frankie Edgar, the plus 350 dog slash legend. Corey Sanhagen's coming up a big TKO win over Marlon Moraes. He lost to Aljamain Sterling before that. Other than the loss to Aljamain Sterling, he's been perfect in the UFC. In fact, in the UFC, he is 6-1, and one, all told. Frankie Edgar's been fighting since Moses was in diapers. This man debuted in the UFC in 2007. It's now 2021. I believe he's at 28. This will be his 28th fight in the UFC, coming off a split decision win over Pedro Munoz. Lost to Chan Sung Jung before that. Lost to Max Holloway before that. So one and two in his last three. Can our dog, Frankie Edgar, uh, make a fight out of this one at plus 350? I'm going to be honest with you. If, if you had like told me that I had to pick this fight gun to my head, I'm probably picking Corey Sanhagen. Uh, but with that being said, negative 440 odds, 
are wild in this fight for either side. Because in, in my opinion, is Corey Sanhagen probably the younger, better, longer, you know, the guy who's fought at Bantamweight for more than one fight? You know, like, I, I like Corey Sanhagen for reasons, but I don't like him anywhere near that negative 440 line. And to be honest with you, when you look at that line and you look at the fact that Corey Sanhagen's takedown defense is 30%. I think Frankie Edgar is a very clear path to victory there, right? Like Frankie Edgar could just take him down and grind him out for, and he really only needs to do it for, for 10 minutes, right? Because he, as long as he doesn't get knocked out in the other five minutes, Frankie Edgar wins that fight. And, you know, I, I know sometimes you look at people's records and you say, oh, well, he's got 30% takedown defense because he fought Aldro. That's true. He gave up takedowns to Aldro, but he also gave up takedowns to guys like Mario Batista, which... You know, not to knock on Mario Batista, but, like, he's not Frankie Edgar. He's not, you know, the wrestling caliber of Frankie Edgar. I guess my only pause, if I, if, again, if we were picking this straight up, my only pause in picking Frankie straight up is I don't know that he will go in with that game plan that wrestling wins him this fight. You know, I know he trusts his hands. I know he thinks he could probably outstrike Sanhagen. I know he thinks he could move in and out. If he goes in with the game plan that he should strike to open up the wrestling and use the wrestling to win the fight... I think he wins this clearly. I don't think he goes with that game plan. So if you're telling me I have to pick one of these two and like my life depends on it, I probably pick Sanhagen. But if I'm betting this fight, I'm betting Frankie Edgar all the way. Very well said, Gumby. Uh, this next fight is also pretty exciting. You have Diego Ferreira, a minus 120 favorite, and Benil Darush, a plus 105 dog. This is actually a rematch. The two fought each other back in October of 2014 with Benil Darush. Coming out on top uh, via unanimous decision. Now, it's been a very interesting career for Carlos Diego Ferreira. Uh, he lost to Benil Darouche and Dustin Poirier back-to-back 2014-2015. Since that time, he's reeled off six wins in a row. Wins over OAM, Jared Gordon, Kyle Nelson, Rustam Kabilov, Mirabach Tyson Move. And uh, coming off a rear naked choke over the legend, Anthony Pettis. So huge win for him. And he's trying to ride that momentum against Benil Darush, who also, very interesting career here with Benil Darush, um, made his UFC debut back in uh, UFC, uh, 2014. So going on his seventh year in the UFC, uh, beat Charlie Brenneman in his debut, then lost to Ramsey Nijum via TKO. Crazy TKO that was, too. And then he reeled off five wins in a row with wins over the likes of Darren Cruikshank, uh, the aforementioned Diego Ferreira, who he's rematching with, Anthony Rocco, Martin, Jim Miller, and Michael Johnson. But then ran into Michael Chiesa, lost via rear naked choke. Came back, beat James Vick, Rashid Magomedov, and then had his worst three-fight stint. He drew with Evan Dunham. He lost via KO to Edson Barbosa. Lost via KO to Alexander uh, Hernandez, and that was back in March of 2018. Since March of 2018, this man has been on a tear. Wins over Tiago Moises, Drew Dober, Frank Camacho via rear naked choke, Dracar Close via KO, and coming off a big win over Scott Holtzman via KO. So in this five-fight winning streak, one unanimous decision win, two submission wins, and two nasty KO wins, three performance of the night bonuses, uh, who are you taking here? I'm going to go with Carlos Diego Fajeda, and I think the reason why is exactly what you just mentioned from Dariush. Uh, he's coming off back-to-back violent knockouts, right? He's having just knocked out, uh, you know, Scott Holtzman, not an easy guy to knock out. Jakar Klosen, not an easy guy to knock out. And he did so spectacularly 
in both of those fights. Here's the problem with that. Benil Dariush, despite the fact he has good power, he is not a striker by trade. Okay, he he does have, you know, I, I'm sure if you go back and look at his accolades, he's got some sort of belt in in Taekwondo or something like that, because everybody trains in seven arts and has black belts and everything. His best art is his ability to take it to the ground. And if he gets away from that here, I actually think the speed and the striking advantage leans to Carlos Diego Fajeda here. And I think that this turns into a war here because I think the jujitsu cancels itself out. You know, again, we're, we're lauding the, the grappling of Benil Dariush. Carlos Diego Fajera teaches jiu-jitsu for a living. That's one of the things he does. He's a third-degree black belt. He's an absolute beast on the mats. I do not favor Benil Dariush in a grappling match here, and I do not favor him in a striking match here if he decides to make it bloody like that. Is there a chance he lands the big bomb? For sure. But I like Carlos Diego Fajera here to avoid that and to win this one. Probably by unanimous decision, because I think they're pretty evenly matched when it comes to a lot of these aspects. We'll move then to our dog of the week, Jocelyn Edwards, plus 175 over Carol Rosa. Break it down. So I like Jocelyn Edwards. Let me first of all say I was a huge detractor of her when she made her debut. Oh, let's see, two weeks ago. That's right, two weeks ago, by the time this is hitting your ears, she made her debut at uh, the Cater Holloway card, I believe. And she was fighting Yanan Wu, and I was all over Yanan Wu. I thought betting her would be the smartest thing to possibly do. And Jocelyn Edwards went in there and made me look like an absolute fool. She's got great hips when people go to take her down, either to stuff or to reverse the position. And her striking is really strong. Uh, She works to the head. She works to the body. She works to all sorts of different places. And for those reasons, I like her here against Carol Rosa because Rosa is the type of person who doesn't look super comfortable on the feet and needs to work to the ground in order to really pick up the victory here. And, you know, for that reason, if she's a hard person to take down, I don't see Rosa being able to hang with her on the feet very long. And I think once the striking starts to land for Edwards, it's only going to pile up too. So I think getting a plus number on her is really good. And plus the fact that, you know, she's bouncing back after just being off for like, I think it'll be 21 days by the time she actually fights. I think just riding that first camp into that second one, I, I think actually plays to her advantage here. I think probably her cardio is up. She's in a good place, uh, and I like her here. All right, let's get to our parlay to play. Uh, put Mike Rodriguez, a minus 235 favorite, together with Michael Johnson, a minus 220 favorite, and you get plus money at plus 110. Yeah, so I like Mike Rodriguez in this fight because he's fighting Danilo Marquez, a guy who doesn't look like he has it quite figured out on the feet. Um, he beat Kadis Abrigamov in his debut, but Kadis Abrigamov is 0-4 in the UFC and hopefully no longer with the UFC, no offense to him. But he's fighting Mike Rodriguez, a guy who's very polished on the feet and learns jiu-jitsu from, from Joe Lozon. So he's likely working on his grappling defense with a hell of a coach and, you know, adding in the fact that I really think the high level of, you know, knees that he throws are great counters to Marquez's takedowns. I like Rodriguez clearly in here. And I can't believe I'm betting against Clay Guida because I'm always the guy who says Clay Guida has got a chance, and I think he does in every fight. But my problem here is just I don't see him being able to handle the speed of Michael Johnson, which is why I've got Michael Johnson in this parlay, is that I think Michael Johnson is just too fast. Michael Johnson is just too quick. And Michael Johnson, while he might tire a little bit, I think here in a three-round fight, he's not in danger of being finished by Clay Guida. And he's going to be out to an early enough lead that he could probably coast, lose the third round, and still come out on top in this fight. 
And that's if his hands don't land, because he does have power in his hands. And Guida has been knocked down, um, not completely out, but he got like knocked down by Jim Miller, and Jim Miller followed it up with a guillotine. So uh, that's a possibility, too. So I like Mike Rodriguez and Mike Johnson. Pair them together, plus 110. Boom. All right. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. As the fights are going on, we will be live tweeting, so hit us up on our Twitter at TopTurtleMMA. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty with some of this advice. Gumby, let's keep the old Top Turtle train moving. Where should we go next? And we're going to transition now to an interview that I did with one of the guys in our parlay, Mike Rodriguez, who's getting ready for his bout with Danilo Marquez. He talks about that bout as well as how to rebound from his weird last fight with Ed Herman. And we're going to get to that interview for you right now. And joining me now is Mike Rodriguez, who fights Danilo Marquez at UFC in the Apex on February 6th. So, Mike, before we start talking about that fight, I obviously have to ask you questions about the very unfortunate last fight you had. You know, obviously, you go into that fight, you you hit a very legal shot that should have won you the fight against Ed Herman. They wind up not calling it off. This is all kind of behind you now as you prepare for the next fight, but I got to get your thoughts on the appeals process and, and how you move forward from something like this. Um, you know, I just, everybody had some more, some feelings towards it. Uh, everybody was mad about it. Um, I, I'm just like, it, you know, it's a big mistake. He's the roughest human, you know, he makes mistakes. Uh, I didn't hate him. There was no ill will towards it. It's unfortunate. And unfortunately I, I had to take a loss for it. Uh, the UFC still covered me on the financial aspect and um, it just sucked that the commission couldn't take the, couldn't just be like, all right, yeah, we met our guy messed up. We'll change to an MC. Like they, they just was like, nah, flat out. I think that was kind of crummy. Yeah. I think that was crummy too. It's good to hear though, that the UFC took care of you. I'm curious if, if you feel as well as obviously taking care of you financially do you feel like they treated it as a win sort of on your record anyway? It, you know, they're matching you up with a guy who's coming off of a, a nice-looking win himself. You know, like, do you feel like they treated you as if you won that fight anyway? Yeah, it, it was weird. The world treated me like I – like my record says otherwise, but the world treated me as I won. So it was, it's kind of hard to feel like a loser when everybody's like was in your corner. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm curious, too, because a lot of fighters tell me when they go back into the gym and they're getting ready after a loss to, to try to work on things and to try to fix things. And that's the real mindset. It's different than when you're coming back from a win. So I'm curious when you did get back to the gym and you were back to training shortly thereafter, what, what was the mindset like? Like you said, people are treating you like a winner. Your record says otherwise. Well, I, my whole thing was uh, consistency. I want to be consistent. Uh, I feel like in my career in the UFC, like I haven't been consistent. Like, so I just, I want that. That's like the main thing on my mind. I, I beat Patrino. It was a great performance. I beat, I, I performed really well against Ed. Uh, whoever, you, depending on who you say, whoever, whoever you talk to, you can say I won, you can say I lost, whatever. But I, I performed really well. And that's what I want to continue doing is performing the best of my abilities. So, that's the only thing I have in mind right now. I like that. And, and out of curiosity, too, were you eager to get back into the cage after all of that, too? Because obviously that was back in September. You, you'd been out for four, almost five months by the time we get to this fight in February. 
were you were you trying to get in there earlier, or is this like the timeline you were sort of expecting? No, this was the timeline I was sort of expecting because I, I wanted to, you know, come on, I wanted to enjoy my Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wanted to have a little song. So, you know, the, all the holidays were there. Like, you know, I'm a huge eggnog fan, so I wanted to get my eggnog and my cider. So, yeah, now that all the food is on out of the way, then I'm like, all right, let's get back to business. But, yeah. So, so you're a big eggnog guy. You're a big Thanksgiving guy. I got to ask then, how's the weight cut looking uh, heading into this fight after the holidays? You, you feeling big? Yeah, man, my my uh my weight has actually been really good. The weight's just been flying off of me, um, and uh, which normally which normally always happens. Like as soon as I start getting a rhythm and training a lot and everything, like the weight just cannot stay on me. So, yeah, it's, it's been easy. It's been pretty good. Well, I'm glad that that's happening as well as you getting your egg knock in as well. So. But before let, let, let's talk a little bit about the fight coming up too, because you're fighting Danilo Marquez. Not a lot of information out there about Daniel Marquez, right? Like, he had a two-year layoff before finally getting into the UFC and getting signed. He, he had a pretty good-looking decision win, but largely what people know about him is he's a grappler. He's a guy who likes to, to grapple his opponents up. What were your thoughts when they brought you that name after having, you know, a name like Ed Herman in front of you? Um, I, I, I thought it was fine. I said, yeah, I'll take it. Um, like Joe always say, like, you know, we can't, you know, we can't, cho- we can't choose the location. He's like, um, you're going to have, he's like, they're going to give you a location, a date, and an opponent. You can't have all three. One of them you're not going to like. Like, you know what I mean? Or not not, not like, but you're going to be like, oh, I wish I had something better or whatever. So I'm just happy that I got three I got. I got a good opponent. I got a good location. And fighting at the apex again. So I'm totally fine with it. I was, like, totally fine with it. Well, and I was going to ask you that, too. You know, obviously, you're a Contender Series guy that you, you started basically your UFC career in the Apex. I was curious if you were interested in fighting over on Fight Island, too, because I know some fighters really like the idea of that experience. Some fighters hate the idea of that travel. What, what was sort of your take on that? Well, um, I I didn't – it wouldn't bother me nothing to fight in, uh, in Fight Island. Um, from what I was told is I, I, I've been hearing mixed reviews about it. Some people don't like it. Some people are like, nah, it's kind of cool. Uh, I guess it depends on who you ask. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't mind. It doesn't matter where I fight as long as I am fighting. Well, you are fighting at February 6th against Danilo Marquez. So like I said before, he's, he's sort of a grappling type. And like you said, you're, you're happy with the matchup. Has there been any extra preparation in that area? Or do you feel like you know the game plan that you already have and the skill set that you already have is perfect for that? Uh, no, we, we, um, we brushed up on a bunch of things. Um, we just brushed up on a couple of things like, uh, to, to build the lungs for like the, um, the, uh, like scramble cardio, things of that nature, just kiss it when we, where we are on the ground, we got to cause, we got to create scrambles. We got to, you know, win scrambles and things of that nature. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an awesome camp. I love it. It's been great. That's awesome. And, and obviously, you know, training at, at Lozon MMA, you have a guy in your corner. The, the name is on the gym of a guy who does a lot of scrambling. Has that, that worked yeah. with scrambling been a lot with Joe and working directly with him? So, yeah, so he's obviously I hold so much weight over the guy. <laughs> so he's just been direct and everything. But I have, like, teammates that are the same size as me that I get to move around with. And he just, you know, just oversees everything, makes sure everything's being done properly. Well, that's great to hear. Now, before I let you go, I do want to get you a prediction here. You know, it goes down in the apex February 6th. How do you see this one ending? 
Uh, I, I definitely believe that I will finish the little Marquez in the second round. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This was Mike Rodriguez, who fights Danilo Marquez at UFC in the Apex on February 6th. Mike, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We wouldn't have a show without you guys. We also wouldn't have a show without our mothership, CagesidePress.com. Make sure you head on over there for all of the news, results, interviews, great features. You're going to want to check it all out there. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Jock Market, and Covert Cat. And we want to remind you guys to check us out on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. And on Instagram, same thing, at TopTurtleMMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby-Vreeland. He was Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.